Hello and welcome to Murders, Mysteries, and Meows. Today is October 18th, 2020. I'm June. And I'm Chris. And today we are bringing you a little bit of a different topic. Uh, still very much mystery and meowy, but not so much murdery. Although there is some murdery stuff. But we will be talking about that ubiquitous Halloween decoration and trope, the black cat. I mean, what about the black cat? Well, what have you heard about black cats? Uh, they're black. Uh, they meow. Uh, we have two of them, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I have heard the superstition that if a black cat crosses your path, it is bad luck. Well, which way is it crossing your path? Is it left to right, or is it right to left? I don't know. Does that matter? Yes. Well, okay then. Uh, it shows what I know about <laughs> black cats. Uh, I also know they ride on the witch's broom. And uh, that, that's about my extent to folklore of black cats. Alright, well that's at least a good start. But black cats definitely have quite a spot in history going all the way back to ancient Egypt. Makes sense. They are the cat-worshipping people of the universe. They definitely seem that way, yes. Now I know they had a couple of uh, cat-headed gods or... Maybe gods that were cats? I don't know. Yeah, they had three female cat goddesses, or cat deities. There's Moptet, Sekhmet, and Bastet. We're mostly did, just going to talk about Bastet. Did, the they, did they have any male cat-headed gods? Not that I saw. Doesn't mean they didn't have any, but I couldn't find any. Gotcha. Yeah. Alright. Um, well, Bastet is the one that everybody knows. That's the black cat with the earrings and the nose ring, or the woman with the black cat head. Yeah, I've definitely seen some imagery of that. Yeah, that's Bastet. That's probably the best-known cat goddess deity from ancient Egypt. And she is actually from 2890 B.C. Like B.C. or B.C.E.? What's the difference? Well, B.C. is no longer used these days. Like B.C. is not exactly P.C. It's Ah. all before Common Era now, B.C.E. Oh, okay. Well, now I know that. All right, I would... I was just going on the most infallible of all sites, Wikipedia. It was, uh, a whole bu- it was a whole bunch of other sites, but they mostly used the term BC, but they probably just weren't updated. Well, I mean, if you hearken back to the time of ancient Egypt, I don't think it really matters if you're off by an E or by a couple centuries or not. Anyway, Bastet was from 2890 BCE, and she is portrayed either as a female with the black cat head or just as a black cat. She is considered to be the goddess of pregnant women, cats, perfume, and fertility, to name just a few of her specialties. So a lot of the Egyptian gods uh, and deities, they, they were either in the form of animals or ha- had animal heads, you know, uh, mm-hmm. generally tied to some kind of uh, practicality observed by animals, right? So one of my questions is why cats like the egyptians are really famous for worshiping cats arguably the most famous in the world why cats um because cats are incredibly useful egyptian society was very big on grain and harvesting other types of foods like that and cats are very good at catching rodents so catching mice catching rats keeping them from eating a grain keeping them from spoiling the grain all of those things they are very good at, and since they had a lot of that food in Egyptian society and in that whole cradle civilization around the Nile area, rodents were a very big problem. Mm-hmm. So having a cat around was basically a necessity. 
I suppose it was also probably good for health. I mean, get rid of the rats, you kind of get rid of a lot of pestilence yeah. that they bring with them. So. Yeah, and that definitely comes into play in other areas as well. And they're just enjoyable to have around. They're fun. They're pleasant. Uh, debatable. <laughs> anyway, but cash, cat worship uh, started declining around 300 BCE when Roman occupation started happening in Egypt. But it really disappeared around 380 AD or 380 CE because that was when the Christians really took over and they forced the removal of temples, of paintings, of pictures, of statues, of all the forms that Egyptians worshipped. Yeah, get rid of all the uh, the heresy. Yeah, definitely. Heresy is a very huge problem for anybody in the church. And speaking of heresy, in 1233, Pope Gregory IX issued the Papal Inquisition. I stopped the Papal Inquisition. He wanted to regularize the prosecution of heresy because witch hunting and all of that sort of stuff, witch hunting colloquially, was very unorganized. It was very haphazard. There was no real rules to follow. There was no order. There was no set restrictions. If somebody was accused of being a heretic, they were frequently murdered before they even got to their trial. And that's considered not cool because then you're killing somebody, that's murder. Whereas if you kill a heretic, that's not a problem. That's a good thing. But if you murder somebody before they're found a heretic, that's murder. I see. So he established a papal inquisition in order to do that. And the name of that inquisition was the Vox in Rama, and it mainly was condemning Luciferianism. I see. It just sounds like condemning heresy. I, yeah, it's all but, the same to me. Yeah, but it was specifically aimed at Luciferianism. Okay. So, what does that have to do with cats? What it has to do with that is there was a, a bishop called Conrad von Marburg, who was a pretty crappy guy, and he was a bit overzealous in trying to track down heretics. And he found, through torture, terror, and other terrible means, that there was a satanic cult that worshipped devils in the form of demonic men and black cats. A diabolical black cat. There it is. Yeah. He declared that initiation rites into this cult included a toad as big as a dog approaching an initiate, an emaciated pale man showing up, in which the initiate had to kiss that man, and when they kissed the pale man, they would forget every Catholic thing they had ever learned. Then once they kissed him, the whole sect would sit down and have a meal together. After the meal, there was a black cat statue that would come alive, and that statue would walk backwards with its tail up. So presumably walking away from you with its tail straight up and you can see its butt. And then the initiate would have to kiss the butt, and then the master would have to kiss the butt. I see. Yeah, that sounds like a totally reasonable set of initiation rites. Yeah, of course, totally. And despite the fact that the only proof they had was this guy saying that some other people told him that they saw this. Hell, Lucifer. (laughs) All right, so what you're saying is at this point, the Pope, the Church, they're condemning the existence of this cult. Mm-hmm. And then the real witch hunts start, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're going after anybody who's a cultist, uh, you know, worshiping Lucifer, and they're what calling the black cats. Yeah, that seems to be the most reasonable thought process. And then I think it goes from just calling the black cats who are involved in this initiation right to cats who are the witches' familiars to cats. Just cats in general. Just cats in general because they might be a witch's familiar. 
They might be a witch in the form of a cat. Could very well be true, and I'm sure they had many scientific ways of determining uh, that to be true. Yep. I don't know of any of the scientific ways of testing the cat, but they had all sorts of very elaborate tests to carry out on the witches. Well, I mean, I heard witches float. Yeah, they do. But you know what else floats? Cats? Wood. Oh. So if she's made of wood, then she floats. So if she's made of wood, she's a witch? I don't know. Ask Monty <laughs> Python. Yeah. I'll go ask a, uh, a Christian later. <laughs> I'm sure they know all the answers. Probably. But this mass murder of cats uh, probably made the plague from 1347 to 1351 a lot worse because they just simply did not have cats to control the rodent population. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Not only had they been culling cats for years, when the plague got out of control, they decided it was the fault of heretics and witches and whoever else, so they burnt and killed even more cats. You know, it's a it's a funny thing you bring it up because, like, you don't see this worldwide plague really occur until around this time where these cats are being taken out. Coincidence? I uh, think not. Well, the fact that it's a plague that is carried by rodents and you're killing the rodents' main predator, yes. But this is only like this is like the second wave of the plague. It's one of the worst waves, but there had been plagues prior to. This specific way oh, sure. in which cats were being culled. So that's about what I have for the history lesson or the facts that we know about black cat superstitions. Some of the myths are one of the ones is that El Bruja is a vampiric demonic black cat who is said to come suck your infant's blood and kill your child. There are some who believe that that black cat came from Lilith. I see, the Christian mother of demons. It's one of the superstitions of black cats. Another one is that if a black cat crosses your path, it's bad luck, but only if it crosses from left to right in some uh, cultures. What cultures? I think some of the European cultures, it was not very specific. Some of the superstition stuff is kind of vague because it's by word of mouth or passed down through history, so it's harder to nail down exactly where and when stuff is. Gotcha. So what other kind of myths are there? Well, um, if the cat is walking towards you or away from you, some cultures, if it's walking towards you, it's bringing good luck to you. Some, if it's walking away from you, it's taking good luck with it. I see. So, I know, yeah, it's like, what? Very um, undecided. Sailors and their wives actually thought black cats were good luck. Sailors wanted to have a black cat on their ship because they thought it brought them good luck and safety. And the wives of sailors wanted a black cat because they felt it would help keep their husband safe while he was out at sea. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. I know that sailors would keep, you know, cats on boats, certainly uh, during long voyages, because they would catch any uh, would-be rodent stowaways. Mm-hmm. But they apparently specifically liked having black cats. Interesting. Black cats are said to bring suitors for young ladies. So if a young one has a black cat, she will have more suitors. I refuse to believe that. I'm just telling you what some of these myths <laughs> are. There are also myths on if a cat shows up at your house on your doorstep, especially if you're moving in, that it's really good luck, but that you're not supposed to move, take the cat with you if you move. There's all sorts of weird things. Um, in Japan, Scotland, Latvia, Italy, and some parts of the coastal UK, black cats are considered good luck. Huh. That's funny, given that like a big part of the American population that you know came to the U.S. back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, we're from the UK and other places. And yeah, but I don't know if there were as much coastal UK, apparently. But yes, they were also very much the Puritans. Ah, that is true. So they were very... They loved hunting witches. Yeah, very much against the, all of the witches and any of that stuff. 
Not so so why black cats and witches? Like it's never the witch has a tabby cat or an orange cat or something, whatever. It's always a black cat. I think because it just goes back to that box in Rama in Pope Gregory condemning black cats or condemning the worship of Lucifer and that black cats are involved in that ritual potentially. <laughs> I see. I, I that was the best I could find. I couldn't really find specifics. There's also things that black cats look a little more suspicious. They can hide a lot better than a white cat can. Say. I suppose that is true. Like you look under your bed and you see a pair of eyes staring back at you. <laughs> yeah. I mean that can be all cats, but I think black cats are just able to hide better so they can surprise you more easily, intentionally or not. So they're thought to be the witches' familiars or the witches themselves and taking information back. It seems to be one of the theories, but it's also me kind of guessing. But yes, it's very kind of hard to nail down exact why. And that to some extent brings us to some of the uh, current, the contemporary black cat things. Do you know what one of the first uh, famous cartoons was? Uh, if I'm thinking black cats, I'm thinking Felix the Cat. Yep. He's considered to be one of the most recognized cartoon characters in history. He's actually older than Mickey. He came out in 1919. Oh, wow. Uh, in 1953, the cartoons began airing on the U.S. television. They gave him the longer legs and his magic bag of tricks. I'd completely forgotten about the existence of that until I read it. I'm like, oh, yeah. I see. I don't really remember much about Felix the Cat. Just the the image of Felix. Yep, the, the very famous, the Felix Pace. I can pretty much guarantee you've seen that, even if it's not popping into your head right now. Probably true. <laughs> and at his 2002 TV Guide article, he was listed number 28 out of 50 of the greatest cartoon characters of all times. Mm, I don't know if I'd put him that high up on the list. Hey, that's what 2002 TV Guide said. Oh. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you what they said. I think part of the reason he was able to be so famous is because black and white, it pops really well it comes across you know on black and white tvs and even still on color tvs it still is very easy to see it's very visually stimulating sure so it grabs your eyes another famous black cat is salem saberhagen the only black cat that really matters in television in my eyes (laughs) he came out in 1962 he was ordered to spend 100 years as a cat as punishment for something depending on where you're looking, there are different reasons given in the comic versus the TV show versus a movie. Mm-hmm. He was originally an orange tabby, actually, and I'm not entirely sure when they switched it to having him be a black cat. I couldn't find that. But well, it just makes more sense to have black cats with witches. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I'm just, I'm not sure why they had to be an orange tabby to begin with, other than orange cats are absolutely awesome, but I'm also not sure when they changed it to black. But like you said, black cat and witches kind of go together. Another one is 1993 Binks. Thackeray Binks from Hocus Pocus. Oh boy, talk about something I haven't thought about in a while. Well, I love Hocus Pocus. That is definitely my favorite Halloween movie, or way, way up there. It is certainly a classic, that's for sure. It is so good. But yes, he is an immortal black cat from, got, uh, 17th century teen got turned into a black cat. By witches, of course. Yep. Also, um, since the debut of the movie Black Panther, starring Chadwick Boseman, there has been an uptick in the adoption of black cats. Wakanda forever. People are using that name as well as Chadwick or Bozeman to name their cats, which I think is a very touching tribute. And interestingly enough, the breed of cat called the Burmese was bred to look like a small panther. In the 1950s, it was created by crossing the Bombay and the American Shorthair because 
people wanted to have a miniature panther. Is the Burmese the one that has like the orange eyes and the like the smaller kind of muzzle? Or am I thinking of a different cat? Uh, you're not. You're thinking of the American standard as opposed to the British standard, which is what I was thinking of. The British standard Burmese has a longer tapering muzzle. The American has a broader head and a shorter, flatter muzzle. Gotcha. Yeah, the the American one is the one that I'm familiar with. Yeah, and when I was looking up stuff about black cats, I came across more of the British one. But they're both absolutely adorable. All right, so after all your research and the things that we've been talking about, uh, you know, you look at our cats. Uh, do you think they're lucky or unlucky? Oh, I think they're lucky. They've got a really good home. I suppose so. You know, as far as looking at the... Uh, the behaviors of cats and mm-hmm. matching them to their coats. Uh, you, you've had a lot of cats over the years. Yep. So would you say that there is a behavioral difference for cats with different colored coats? Um, the one, only ones that I can speak of and that I know about for sure are uh, tortitude, which is tortoiseshell cats and orange cats. Um, Siamese cats or cats that have that Siamese coloring tend to be talkative, but I have not noticed any traits um, for black cats. Yeah, you know, we've we've had three black cats mm-hmm. over some time, and uh, all three of them were extremely different. Yep. You know, little girl's just cute, meows real cute, acts like a little princess. Plays fetch, brings toys to you, and drops it on your feet, and either touches you with her paw, waits for, her, waits for you to look at her, and then, or touches your leg, and then meows at you like, please play with me. You know, I think back to Kati Maru, or just Maru, and how how mischievous, or how clever he thought he was. You know, he was just <laughs> oh, so, so dumb. Dumb. Like, you talk about the lights are on and nobody's home. Maru wasn't even that. He was just an empty lot with a tumbleweed blowing through it. And he would meow at you when you stared at him. You're like, Maru, what are you doing? Just look at you, meow. Yes, he was. He a was a goofball cat. Yes, he was. Then, of course, the, uh, the boyo... He's a, just a real mischievous, pain-in-the-neck cat. Hey, he, he's a physicist. He is always testing and making sure gravity still works. Yeah, I would just call him a big dummy. Uh, or a pest. Certainly. Or a punk. Certainly a pest. Indeed. He definitely is all of those things. But before uh, the little cats and Mario, you had other cat experiences when you spent time with me. Uh, which uh, time are you referring to? Uh, back at the old house in Santa Cruz. Ah, uh, yes. At a time when you did not have a cat. And we, in fact, had a dog who chased cats. So, to preface this, I was told that there was, in fact, a ghost cat at the house. Indeed. And we have talked about... we brought this up, and I mentioned it on one of the other episodes, but we didn't hear your story. Yeah, so you should all know... Right now, that I am a big skeptic when it comes to ghost stories. But am I. I do have two stories, one of which involves this ghost cat. So, like I said, to preface, I had been told about a ghost cat. And I thought it was absolute nonsense, right? So, years ago, I'm staying over, staying in the guest room. Because the cat was only in my room or the guest room. Sure. You know, however you want to spin that story. And so I'm laying down, going to sleep. And, you know, I'm I'm trying to fall asleep here. I'm not dreaming, right, or anything of that sort. And I feel the bed kind of, like, 
shake or jiggle like something had got on top of it right and i'm like well you know what's that you know whatever and then i feel depressions on my legs kind of moving across my body and then like a weight not a very heavy weight but a weight you know like kind of circling on my chest and then laying down right and i'm like nah this this is not this ain't happening right i'm like okay i'm not dreaming and i i just i try to put my head back you know try to go to sleep and i'm trying to write this off like this isn't this is not what i think it is right you know i've never had a cat up to this point right yeah and you hadn't really spent time around cats so it's not as though yeah you knew what it felt like you know and years later after having many cats walk around on a bed (laughs) walk around on my legs and sleep on my chest i can 100 percent say yes it felt exactly that way at that time so was it a ghost cat uh maybe yes maybe no but i certainly uh had the experience and it certainly lived up word for word to all the stories that i had heard about this ghost cat prior did you have it purr or did it not purr for you uh i honestly don't remember it was a long time ago i feel like you remember saying that it purred and i wasn't like i could it's like i could uh like feel the vibrations of Mm -hmm. like purring whether or not i remember hearing it uh Mm -hmm. that's another story yeah for me the ghost cat only was ever on my feet but i knew there was nothing on my feet and our dog would there's no way for a cat to get into our house all the windows, all the doors were closed, and if there were any cats nearby, our dog would chase them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I only ever felt the cat on my feet, and I never felt a purr. But we had other guests who would stay over, Didn't never heard the story, didn't realize there was a ghost cat, and would ask to meet our cat after they slept with it. We were never quite sure what to say to that. Like, uh, we don't have a cat. You always knew what to say, because you always say, oh, it's the ghost cat. <laughs> Well, when I was a kid, I didn't know that, so I didn't say anything. My parents would. What was your other ghost experience? Or do you uh, want to save that for a different topic? Uh, we could save that for another day. Talk about hauntings. Oh, okay, that would still be a good topic. Anyway, yeah, thank you for tuning into Murders and Mysteries and Meows. I am on Facebook and Instagram. I just set up a Twitter. So look me up, find me. If you have thoughts or suggestions, please feel free to email me. And thank you for listening. See you later. You know, I'm going to go get a ghost dog now to chase off any would-be ghost cats. Here. <laughs> I just wanted to say thanks to Midnight Facts for Insomniacs and Scary Stories to Tell on the Pod. They gave me a lot of good research information. And please stay tuned for a promo for another podcast. Thanks. Hey, this is Jill from the Small Foreign Fact Check podcast. When you're done listening to this episode, come on over to a Small Foreign Fact Check to join me for an evidence-based deep dive into unsolved cases and mysteries, where I'll be taking you through all the twists and turns of a case, analyzing every detail to separate fact from the fiction, rumor, and hearsay that so often surround them. After we wrap up our case, stay with me for the second half of the show, where we'll be talking about topics such as techniques in forensic science, criminology, and criminal psychology, as well as important figures and events in true crime history, so you can strengthen your case analysis skills and expand your true crime history knowledge. Small Foreign Fact Check is available on most major podcast apps and can also be found on YouTube. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join me on my next trip into the mysterious unknown.